want to share this morning. This will probably kind of bring something to you. Run to God, don't run away. Run to God, don't run away. People would tell you that we're wired to either fright or um, to either fight or flight, to either stand and fight or to run away. But you know, how does that apply with God? Do we fight God? Do you know what sometimes I think we do? When God has a plan and a destiny for our life, we fight it. When when God wants us to yield in a certain way, we resist. We fight. We fight with him. But do you know what God wants us to know? He wants us to know he loves us. And what he has for us is good. Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace, in which we stand and, in, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, has, who was given to us. And the first thing I want to say here is there's a peace when we're in God's place. There's a peace in our hearts. God is with us. God wants us to know his peace. He also wants to know that we can have faith through grace. And finally, there's testing to come. I don't know whether you've been tested recently. I've been sharing with a few people that I'm being tested this week because I'm getting frustrated with my dissertation. It's driving me nuts, but I know it's doing something good somewhere. It just doesn't feel like it at the time. But who can we think of someone who maybe ran away from God? Yes, he's one of the books in the Bible that uh, I don't think we turn to very often. But I'm, I bet you the kids in Sunday school would know exactly what this book's all about. It's the book of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh and to tell the people of Nineveh. And he didn't want to do it. So what did he do? He tried to run away. He got on a boat and tried to go somewhere else. And what happens? A storm comes. And the men in the boat say, What's going on? And Noah tells them that he's running away. And I say, well, you know, what should you do? And in the end, he says, throw me overboard. And the seas will come. And they, they, they ignore that. They carry on. And they even try to go back to where they came from. And the storm gets even worse. And in the end, they throw Noah overboard. And we know this story because we've either sung it or read it or seen it on a cartoon or studied it in Sunday school. But you know, that prophet of God wanted to run away. And in Jonah chapter 2, uh, beginning at verse 2, he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. He answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. 
The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up, my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah ends up in Nineveh. He ends up, he's vomited up on the beach and ends up in Nineveh and does the job that he's called to do. But even a man of God who has a calling of God wants to run away from God. Now sometimes we think we know better. I don't know whether you think you know better. Sometimes God has said some things to me and I thought, yeah. I'll save that for later. But you know, we can't run away from God. Even David knew this. In Psalm 139, verse 7, David says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me. Even if we try and run away from God, he's still there. We can't run far enough away from God that he cannot reach us. Now, I don't know whether you think you know, but sometimes I think I I know better. My mum was someone who used to be known as the all-seeing person. I don't know quite why, but let me give you an example. I was up in my room one day as a child doing something I shouldn't have been doing. I think I was squeezing spots on my face. And uh, I I remember looking in the mirror. I was looking in the mirror and his voice came up and said, Dave, what are you doing? I thought, how do you know? Um, but my mum was known as Auntie Jean. That was her name, Jean, but she, you know, everybody called her Auntie Jean. And uh, basically she seemed to know things. I don't know how she knew things, but she did. And so I've got some element of God knowing as my mum knowing. That's the way I kind of feel about God knowing sometimes. And uh, do you know what? God does know. God knows what we want to run away from. He he knows what we're fearful of. And sometimes the things that we hold on to are the things that God wants us to let go. Let me give you an example. You have a plan. Maybe you're on a week's holiday. And in that week's holiday, you have everything planned out for your week's holiday. Where you're going, what you're going to do, what things people are going to catch up with and everything else. And in the middle of this week of holiday, no work, God drops in it and says, I want you to go and visit someone. You go, no, 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 God, you don't understand. I've got my whole week's holiday. I've got it planned out. This is, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And God, no, 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 I just want you to just to visit this one person. It won't take long. But no, no, you don't understand, God. I've got it all planned out. I've been, I've been looking forward to this holiday for weeks. But it'll only take a short while. Just take the time. Yeah, and I've had this a few times, maybe not on holiday, but similar kind of thing where I've had my plans and I'm holding on to my plans really tightly. I'm not letting go. And I just feel in some sense that God will just start to, one finger at a time, persuade me to let go. Until the moment I let go, it's all okay. And in that example, you go and visit the person, have a cup of coffee, it's all done. You've done what God wanted you to do. It was great purpose in that, great blessing in that. But you know, God has plans and purposes for our life. God has, um, he says that in Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. 
thoughts for peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has good plans for us. He has plans and purposes for us. Do you know, and do you know what? God's plan A is the best plan. If you've got a plan A and it's not God's plan, default to God's plan. But you know, there are other things that we can run away from, not just holding on to plans, but you know, sometimes holding on to sin. Sin is a comfortable thing. Sin is something that we can hold on to if we're not careful. In Genesis chapter seven, chapter 3, verse 7, in the Garden of Eden, what did Adam and Eve do when, they, when they'd eaten? Then the eyes of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and sewed together fig leaves and, and covered themselves, and they hid from God. You know, that's not something we can do. We think we can hide from God. But he is the all-seeing, all-knowing one. He's the omnipotent, omnipresent, powerful God. And so actually, there's no point in running from God. And actually, sometimes we cling on to sin because sin is comfortable. Sin is familiar. Maybe it's a habit that we're stuck with, something that we feel we can't do anything about. But you know what? God slowly wants to, again, release our grip, that we would let go, that he might have his way amongst us. And I want to pause right at this moment and just pray and pray. I, I just sense that for some people listening online, some people listening later, maybe even people in the room in church this morning, there's something that you are holding on to that gets in the way of God's purpose in your life. And right at this moment, you know what it is. I don't need to have that conversation with you. God's having it with you right now. And he's saying something like, what's in your hand? And just like me with my mum, the answer will be nothing really. Just imagine a hand behind my back. Something maybe I shouldn't be holding. Maybe something I shouldn't have picked up. Maybe something I shouldn't. And, she said, and, and Father God says to you, what's in your hand, Dave? What's in your hand? Oh, nothing, God. But you know what? When that hand is behind our back holding on to that which thing which we're not proud of, it's not free to pick up anything else. It's not free to do what God wants us to do. You know, and sometimes the things that God wants us to do require two hands. If you ever had a one-handed hug from someone, it's just not the same. As a two-handed hug. So I just sense that for some folk this morning, God is saying, okay, let go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go right now. And it, it almost immediately, sense of letting it go, there's a sense of loss because it's such a familiar thing but in letting go there's a relief that's already come sin has no good fruit so Lord as we pray we choose to let go for those who are doing that right now choosing to let go of that sin that so, so easily has ensnared us Lord, we choose to let it go right now. And Father, we bring our hands before you now, Lord, and say, Lord, we have let go. You know, I, I sense the Father would even want to place something in your hands right now. 
Now, now here's the thing. If your hand has gripped something for such a long time, if your hand has gripped something for such a long time, then if you take that thing out of your hand, you still have to open your hand to hold something else. And it will feel painful. It will feel different. And uh, there'll be sensations rushing through you as you've let that sinful process, that sinful thought go, that sinful habit go. And you say, Lord, I want to walk in a new way. Well, the way to walk in a new way is to pick something new up. God will place in our hands, place in your hands, something that requires holding on to afresh. He'll take a new grip, a new position in his name. Amen. Do you know what? We can hold on to plans. We can hold on to sin. We can hold on to people sometimes. Sometimes we can hold on to people and we, we, we don't allow them to grow. Think about a child. If you had a child in your family who's grown up and the first time they, they, they are away for a week going to a school camp or brownie camp or whatever. It's a wrench to the family. Everybody misses them. But you know what? In going away, they grow. In going and letting them go, we grow. And so one of the things as God's family is we need to make space for people to grow. I'm not an expert on gardens. Julia will tell you that. But I know from looking at our garden as we've made some space and pruned some trees that other things are now growing because they're no longer under the shadow of the tree that has been pruned. And so as we make space, we even let people go. And we'll be doing that uh, when Ruth goes off to university next month. We'll be sending her out and uh, sending her off. And she will grow and change. Haven't we seen her grow and change even in the year when she's been on a placement with us and doing student work, but also going to Maui and Norway? And uh, yeah, she's changed as a young lady. And there's another story that I'd like to talk about now. That's in the Bible that we all know well. In fact, there's a musical about it. But again, someone who had a destiny in God, but didn't know what to do with it. In Genesis uh, chapter 37, this is the story of Joseph, the coat of many colours. And he has a dream. And as he has the dream, pride arises in him. He tells his brothers all about it and they, they get miffed. They get miffed about it. So in Genesis 37.5, now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more because he was already his father's favourite son. He was the youngest. He was an, a whippersnapper, an upstart. Who did he think he was then sharing this dream? Put their nose out of joints even more. You know, and there was a test there for Joseph for his pride. You know, Sometimes we can hold on to pride too and pride gets in the way. And what's the opposite of pride? Humility. And so there's a place where sometimes we need to lay down who we are and let go of that sense of, uh, of pride. There's nothing wrong with good and holy pride, but pride in the wrong thing, we need to let go and find a place of humility. Because what was the consequence of Joseph sharing this dream? His brothers ended up trying to throw him down a well, sold him into slavery. He ends up being in Pharaoh's court. Um, and there are tests that come. Because he ends up in prison. He, you know, he worked in the Pharaoh's court. He worked in Pharaoh's house. He was trusted. 
But then in prison, he was tested again. And in Genesis 39, verses 17 to 20. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me and mocked me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was then that his master heard the words which his wife had spoken to him, saying, Your servant did this after this manner. His anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. So he hadn't done anything wrong. He was falsely accused and he ends up in prison. Now, I have had, I guess it's the privilege of talking to people in prison and everyone I met in prison said they were not guilty of whatever they've been charged. And so if you speak to prison warders, that's the first thing they say. So everyone is not guilty according to themselves. And this was true for Joseph. But this was the test of the prison. This was the test of whether he was willing to let go. Because there in the prison he was taught to interpret dreams. I'm not going to go through the whole story this morning, but he was taught to interpret dreams. He interpreted other prisoners' dreams. He was asked, and as a consequence, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And then he was put in place of responsibility. And that's the point when the famine came and then his brothers came and they didn't recognise him and the story goes on. So there's even a test of a prison. So let's not run away from God. Let's run to him. So if God has a plan and a purpose for our life, and he does, I read that from Jeremiah, then let's trust him to take us through it. That The tests that come are going to help us to grow, are going to help us to be, are going to help us to do. So let's not run from God, let's run to him. Because that's the safest place to be. God had a call for Joseph. God has a call for David. God had a call for Jonah. God has a call for you and for me. And we can choose to run away from it or we can choose to run into it. Now I don't know whether you remember, it's five to five. It's, there you go, someone knew. So for those people who are under 30, I guess, I don't know. Um, there was a program on a Friday, I think it was. Five to five called Cracker Jack. Uh, children's program. And one of the programs they played on that TV show was Cabbages and Kings. And you were asked a question. And if you got the question right, you were given a prize. If you got the question wrong, you were given a great big cabbage. So there's these children on the show and they get asked a question. And they get it right and they get a nice prize. And so they're holding the prize all quite excited. And then they get asked another question. And then they get it wrong. And then now they're holding a prize and a cabbage. And they're not allowed to drop anything. And basically, once you've got three cabbages, that's the end of the game. But as you can win as many prizes. If you drop them, you lose everything. And the, the, the illustration here is, if you've got lots of things in your hand, you can't hold the things that matter. So I don't know what your cabbages are. The things that you shouldn't be carrying, because who wants to carry a cabbage? Anybody like cabbage? Okay, a couple of people, okay. I can't stand this stuff myself. And the idea of cabbage soup, which I have been served a number of times in different places around the world, the smell of cabbage soup 
haunts me. It's one of those smells that you walk into a room and if you smell it, you know what it is straight away. Some people are licking their lips already, aren't they? But not for me. So cabbage, so, you know, who wants a cabbage? Okay, maybe one or two people would do. But the illustration here is, you know, no, no child wants a cabbage for sure. So, what do we got in our hands that's getting in the way of us carrying what God wants us to carry? What things does he want us to play, place into our hands? What things does he want us to pick up? What people does he want us to hug and to hold? Because for each of us there is a calling. Sometimes that calling will be for a purpose. That's why I started the whole thing around core purpose last week. was just to start to explore some of that kind of prophetic journey and destiny. But you know there can also be an element of having to be God's agent today, tomorrow, just for a moment. I just need someone to go and visit. As Juliet said, she called on some people. She called for some people to go and help her sister. Now that's God's army, God's people working together. Things coming together. Sometimes God wants someone just to go and visit someone, just to encourage them, to pick up the phone. Do you know what? Have you ever tried answering the phone when your hands are full? If you've got two handbags and your phone rings in your pocket, you have to put the bags down. If God wants us to do something, what is it that we need to put down? Because maybe we can put it down in advance so that we're really ready to go. If someone you love, who you haven't spoken to for years, sends you an email or sends you a card saying, I'm going to ring you on your birthday. At 11 o'clock on your birthday, I'm going to ring you. And you're really looking forward to speaking to them. Wouldn't you be busy doing other things at 11 o'clock? No, you'll probably be sitting by the phone, ready. So that when the phone rings, you'll be, hi, how are you? You'll be expectant and waiting. Do you know what I want to say to us this morning, to those listening online right now, to those listening later, to each one of us in the room, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that's not just the big picture. There's some details he wants to colour in too. And so let's not run from God. Let's run to him. Let's put down the sin that so easily ensnares. Let's put down our plans and pick up God's plans. Let's step into destiny and purpose and see what he will do in our lives. For God has a call for each one of us. Let me pray. Father God, we want to sit, stand, lie in your presence right now. We want to rest in you. And there's three things I wanted to pray for this morning. The first thing I want to pray for is this. For anyone whose hands are so full of life and doing life, that things like a quiet time, things like peace, things like personal space, are things that you're really struggling with right now. I want to pray for you right now. Because sometimes that's something we need to be needed. Some people need to be needed. And sometimes actually kind of letting go and letting somebody else do something for you becomes the space that allows you to, to breathe. Or sometimes someone needs to come and help and we can pray for that too. But Father God, I want to pray for those, Lord God, whose life is so, 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 so busy. Lord, that there's little space for them, themselves and you. A quiet time and a good time with you. Father, I pray firstly for opportunity. 
I pray that you'd open doors of opportunity for space, for peace, for rest, for calm. I pray for provision, Lord, for people who would come and help and give and serve. Father, I pray for things that take time to happen quicker. God can do it. But Father, in that space that gets created, Father, I pray that peace would well up. That a fresh sense of identity in you and a fresh grasping of your plan would be known. Father, we yield to you our own feeble plans, our own thoughts and ideas, and say, have your way amongst us, Lord. And that's the second group of people I want to pray for this morning. Those whose, if I asked you what your plan was, you'd say, I don't know. I don't really have a plan. Now, Joseph dreams, Nineveh, um, Jonah dreams. There are plenty of people in the Bible who dream. And Jesus and Isaiah talked about dreaming and having visions. Seeing things that God wants us to see. So, Father, I pray for those, Lord, who have yet to understand the plan that you have for them. Lord, would you open our eyes? Would you speak to our spirits? Would you bring clarity, Lord, to our understanding, that we would know and understand what it is that you want us to do, where it is that you want us to be, who it is that you want us to serve? Lord, Lord I say that for running Christian Fellowship. Lord, as we step into... Uh, Virginia Lodge in all its fullness and take on this building. Father, there's a blank sheet of paper on so much of the time that we know what we'll do on Sundays, that's clear. But Lord, the rest of the week, Lord, would you start to write on that sheet? Would you start to give us your plans? Would you start to stir up your people, Lord, to be who you called us to be in this place? In Jesus' name. And then thirdly, I want to pray for those who don't have any clue about most of the stuff that I've been talking about today, running from sin, what's that? What's sin? Sin, you know, sin is so powerfully ensnaring. People don't want to let it go. They hold on to it. But there is a way to deal with sin and the effect of sin, and that's to acknowledge Christ as Saviour. And acknowledging Christ as Saviour is acknowledging that he is the Son of God. He died, he went to the cross, he paid the price. He was the sacrificial lamb. He paid the price for our sin and we no longer need to fear death as a, as a, a, a disciple of Christ. He went to the cross, he died, he was buried in the tomb, but he rose again and ascended to the Father's side. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. That is our Saviour God, our Saviour Jesus, our teacher, our Rabboni. And I want to pray for those who don't know Jesus as their Saviour, that right now, in this moment, you'd reach out and say, yes, I need Jesus. I turn to him, I follow him. I turn from my sin and my wicked ways. And I receive him as my saviour. The 
and letting go of the sin and letting Christ have his way. That's a plan, that's a purpose. Christ's way. The King's highway. Amen.